is the Amadon Planet Podcast, episode 73. I'm your host, Joel Amadon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to figure out how to teach better. Today on the podcast is Jeremiah Sims, Dr. Jeremiah Sims, part of Rooted in Love. That's his uh, organization that he's a part of in which he does all his work. Um, and we are kind of continuing a conversation we had within episode 66. So we had Jeremiah in. Uh, on episode 66, I think that was in February, where we talked about the impact framework and love as praxis. So, which is really cool, um, talking about, you know, Jeremiah gets to talk a little bit about his faith and about how the work that he does working with institutions to try to make them more uh, diverse and equitable and inclusive and anti-racist and how all that is rooted in love and thinking about putting love into practice and I love that. I love that. And so one of my, you know, my mantra is I want to lead people to love others through teaching. And one of those things we put that in practice is this podcast where we're learning how to teach better. And so love having the conversation with him about that. And also, you know, and just to even backtrack even further, we had a conversation with EJ Edney in December, which is talking about the impact framework. So this might be even like a part three of this conversation. So EJ Edney talked about the impact framework. Uh, and how he was using that in this toolkit and that institutions could look at to look at their policies and practices and think about how are they being equitable, inclusive, diverse, anti-racist, all that good stuff. And so Jeremiah was the author of the Impact Framework or the creator, uh, you know, so we talked to him in February. And then in that conversation about the Impact Framework, he briefly mentioned the Ideal Fellows, which were basically like the impact framework in action. And so I wanted him to, and we just like, just scraped the surface of that. And so I wanted him to come back and have a number of conversation because also he's fun to talk to as well. And so we're going to have, we're going to continue the conversation. Love it. And so also too, in the midst of all this, um, I'm in the Eminem Planet Studios. In other words, the uh, closet in the back of my garage that I do all the recording and everything is being remodeled. <laughs> we're putting some paint in there, uh, make it look a little bit better. Um, and so if it sounds a little echoey, it's because all the sound absorption materials that I normally have in the closet are not there. So that's why the sound might be a little bit different, but hopefully you don't notice. And all you notice is a wonderful conversation that I get to have with Jeremiah Sims. Oh, and before we get into the conversation, he mentions a bunch of different links. Again, as always, they'll be in the show notes. So you can go to amadonplanet.com forward slash episode 73 and you can find all those uh, all those notes, all those links. And he also mentions a opportunity for the Summer Learning Institute uh, and a, be, having a discount available to those from the Amazon Planet Podcast that are listening and go access those materials or access that opportunity. So uh, as soon as we get the information for that, we will we'll, that will be in the show notes as well. So lots of good stuff in the show notes. Go ahead and check that out. But without further delay, here's my conversation with Dr. Jeremiah Sims of Rooted in Love. Dr. Jeremiah Sims, let's just go. Let's just go. Like the last time I had you on, Jeremiah, it was, we were had a jam-packed hour of conversation and like we had so much more that we could get into. And hey, I'm glad to have you back. How are you? I'm doing well, man. It's good to see you. Uh, I was really, I shared that podcast with a bunch of folks and they were really, uh, really, really, really encouraged by it. And not so much by what I was saying, because they've heard what I had to say before, but just your response, especially, you know, my brothers and sisters in the faith community, they were like, man, I didn't know you could talk about this type of stuff and there have, and, and, and there'd be some reference to Jesus. I thought it was like always separate. Oh. And right, so that conversation was really heartening for a lot of folks. 
Oh, well, that's good. I mean, hey, well, just some feedback from you. That was, and to the listeners out there, that was a well-received episode. So lots of people wanted to hear more. So I'm glad awesome. to have you back on. And I think awesome. I talked to you the day after you had a little life transition. So where, where are you at now? What, what are we doing? Uh, well, which one? I got all kind of life transitions. Well, I think you just left your position. Oh, at, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. So I just left my position. Uh, so I was there for six years. I was the inaugural director of equity for the College of San Mateo, um, you know, awesome community college. I was just having this conversation with a group earlier that I'm working with. And so they want me, not, 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 not CSM, but another group, they want me to take a look at, at as an equity expert, they're developing a product. Mm-hmm. They want me to take a look at that product uh, and then kind of essentially give them language uh, on how to market it so that it's more equitable, right? Mm-hmm. And so that has always been the internal tension for me in this work, right? I don't want to give people language to make things equitable without helping them to apprehend what it is that they're speaking to. Because then what it does is it creates opportunities for that language and the power behind that language to be defanged and co-opted. And so generally, that's why people want to bring me on, right? So my kids like to eat. I need to earn some money. I step away from <laughs> But there's a wrestling there and I have to be true to what I believe my calling is. And so I told them I can't continue to, uh, to work in this space because like, Jeremiah, we expected you to add more language around this. I said, but you don't understand the initial level of conversation we had. So in order for me to continue to do this, right, we have to, and we saw this in 2020, Joel, you know, right. every, all the listeners know we saw this. There were so many statements of solidarity, right, and all these kind of like racial reckoning uh, is like this cosplay of racial reckoning, light kind of platitudes being offered, right? And so and so that's what Derek Bell said, right? Derek Bell, a uh, uh, scholar, a uh, legal scholar, mm-hmm. he said, my biggest fear, I'm paraphrasing, is that everything changes, at least on his face, but nothing actually changes, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to contribute to that kind of work. And so I felt like at the College of San Mateo, brilliant, wonderful folks there uh, that, I will, that will be my friends for life. I felt like there was a spirit there, uh, you know, because again, Joel and I talked about this last time, I believe we're spiritual beings in human bodies, not the other way around. I think that there was a spirit there that kind of animated the culture there. And that culture was, we will use these words, but we don't have to ourselves understand them at any kind of depth. Mm-hmm. We can just yeah. use them and that, that's good enough. And so I don't do performative allyship. I did it for too long. And that's one of the reasons why I felt like, and it's not an indictment of the people, uh, but it's one of the reasons I felt like I needed to step away. They need a new voice and it, that voice wasn't me. And so it's been great, man. I've been yeah. spending a lot more time with the kids and it's been awesome. That reminds me, I mean, just with what you're saying too, that reminds the first, so I went to, I was blessed to be in Wisconsin and, and kind of a going to the university of Wisconsin, Madison, and just like, it was the college I was there is the one I grew up like looking at cheering for, yeah. for sports and everything, but then went to the school of education and, Lo and behold, there's Gloria Latson Billings. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, there and uh, you know getting to take a bunch of courses from her. And awesome. the first time I ever saw her speak, she was actually on sabbatical, but I went to a conference and I saw her talking about culture relevant pedagogy, yeah. and she was she was like pounding the table and and just got real super excited because or because she was talking about all these institutions they're talking about oh we're doing culture relevant pedagogy yeah. and it was just the same thing as what you're saying like they're talking it they're yeah. using the language but are they actually doing it and so yeah. I, I i yeah i can definitely sense that that struggle that's going on and wanting to be hey let's let's be have integrity right let's go right let's let it seep through us right right so you've seen this joel you've seen this in the folks who are educational spaces right we've seen quote unquote 
Woke teachers mark students down for being 30 seconds late to class or lock the door so they don't come in, right? That's yeah. incommensurability, right? When you're yeah. talking about justice work, right? It doesn't mean that you let everything go. And I'm not trying to say that to the educators right, right. Um, who are listening, right? You have standards, but also you have to have human flexibility, right? That's what radical inclusivity looks like, right? And so there was another teacher, just real quick, super woke, worked with one of our kind of uh, uh, ethno-racially specific groups, right? A traditionally marginalized group. Uh, and one of the students was not able to get to college because the bridge was closed. You had to cross a bridge. You actually, depending on where you come from, you may have to cross two bridges, right? Uh, totally yeah. college. And so and this particular professor's policy was that the only way you could turn on in your final is it had to be uh, paper. It had to be a hard copy, right? <laughs> which is already kind of anachronistic yeah, anyway, yeah. Right? in uh -huh. 2021 when this is taking place. Student was like, I cannot get there because I can't get across the bridge. The bridge is closed. Once the bridge is closed, going to San Mateo, because there's only two lanes on each side, that's three hours, yeah, right? Yeah. Minimum uh, to get across that bridge. And so, and so the student was like, I'm not going to make it in time. Can I email you the paper? And this woke advocate for justice would not allow the student to email the paper, right? So what is that? Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like the, you know, gotten the law and the gospel, right? I'm, I'm yeah. leaning on the law and like, where's the right, gospel right. part, right? Exactly. Exactly. The gospel is about, is about love, right? When people say you want to let the gospel run, it's about love, right? Yeah. But other people want to be legalistic about it. And, then, and that's why you, pe you wonder why people have problems with Christians, right? And they're so hurt by Christianity and don't want anything to do with God because there's a conflation between religiosity and God, right? Yeah. So, so I know you, and we're going to get into some events you got coming up uh, and some other things, but the one thing that, I mean, you just kind of like, it was, it, we'll go mathematical, like almost like a little tangent line off of, like, we started talking a little bit about ideal fellows, yeah. which is kind of amazing sort of stuff. And, and, and if I remember correctly, and you can, you can correct me, Jeremiah, is it seemed like the impact framework in action is yeah. kind of like an ideal fellow. Is that, is that yeah. what I'm That's what it at? is. That's yeah, what so is. why don't you tell a little bit of what's ideal what is the ideal fellows program what you're doing there okay so ideal is is man it's just i feel like it is an instantiation of god's love for people right and so and so that's what i want it to be uh i didn't know that that was possible in quote unquote social justice work right mm -hmm. and so and so you know we pray for all of the students um and we pray for the the program and you know not you know, I don't care what the students believe, right? It's not their, my beliefs aren't better than theirs, right? Whatever they believe right. is fine because we're working on what? On radical inclusivity. So let me just frame this real quick. So in DEI work, right? We've all heard the, 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 the you know, abbreviation DEI or acronym DEI, right? It's a diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the kind of inclusion that has generally been uh, defined in traditional DEI work over the past 15 years is a kind of inclusion, like I, I invite you into my house, right? You have, potentially you even have a seat at the table. I would say that's even a graduated kind of uh, conception of, of, of inclusivity. But if you have a seat at the table and I'm having a feasting, I won't let you pick up a fork and eat anything. Are you really included? So what we were saying for the past 15 years, yeah, sure, that's inclusive because we let you in the room, right? It's based on my benevolence, right? Still, right? It's not, there's no kind of equity there, but based on my benevolence, I let you in the room. I even gave you a seat at the table, but you better not touch the food. You're going to watch us all eat while you starve. But mm -hmm. radical inclusivity, right? Something that we practice in our home is if you come to my house, listen, I understand it's important to be cordial, right? Joel, you come to my house, right? You've been in my house more than an hour. Don't ask me if you can get anything from the refrigerator anymore. If you want it, go get it. 
right? I understand the initial conversation, but I've let you in my house, right? Now we're building community together. So radical inclusivity uh, is what we were trying to arrive at in this particular program. So IDEAL stands for the Initiative in Diversity, Equity, Anti-Racism, and Leadership. And so the way that the, the, the we've had, we're on our third, going on our fourth iteration now. And so the program, the first iteration was semester long program and we met twice a month uh, for three hours. Each session was three hours. And so for the first half, well, it's three hours, there's no half. Well, I just one, one and a half hours, right? there's a break in there. For the first hour, there would be a conversation, just like a, almost like a uh, lecture, but not quite a lecture because it's interactive the whole time, right? We're trying to move away from the banking model of education. Right, right. And so we talked about, you know, uh, racialized capitalism, right? Uh, we talked about white supremacy. We talked about, you know, human difference, things that in here, settler colonialism, those types of, so the just, justice, justice type of uh, concepts and terms. Then the second half, because we believe in, the ideal of uh, praxis, right? So you have theory, you put that theory into action, and then you reflect on it. I think we talked about this last time, reflection yeah, yeah. is key, mm -hmm. right? Because uh, that's what John Dewey argued, you don't learn from experience, you learn from reflecting on your experiences. And so that's what every session looked like. So we talked about settler colonialism. And, and so what we did was we talked about land acknowledgements, for example, as performative allyship. Right. And so when you talk about land acknowledgments, right, recognizing the indigenous folks who proceed like you're not really giving them the land back. And what are you actually doing? Right. So we talk about land acknowledgments as performative allyships that lends itself to conversations around colonialism and settler colonialism and racial capitalism. Right. So those are to, just to give an example of a, of a module. So we'd have a conversation like that. We talked about uh, anti-Asian violence, the rhetoric around anti-Asian violence being used to promulgate anti-blackness in media. Right. Mm -hmm. So we had those types of conversations, really like, you know, high level, graduate level conversations. And these are community college students. Right. Undergrad. Yeah. Uh, and then it was up to them to take that information and try to put it into practice, looking at particular uh, issues that 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 affected them at their community colleges. Uh, and so real quick example. Right. One one student. I mean, this is so like. You know, it's one of those things like, how come I didn't think of that, right? And so I don't know if anybody who has been to college has ever been to a college uh, uh, campus and been lost, but I'm all perpetually lost, right? Yeah. And so these students got together and they said it's really difficult for students to find DSPS, right? Disability Services area mm -hmm. because it's on, a, it's on a part of the college that no one actually goes to unless you have that particular need. And there, there's no signage. There's no clear signage, right? Yeah. I'm just visually impaired folks too. There's no clear signage to direct you there. So what they did was, right, they said that the policy that, that currently exists is not innovative, right? It's measurable. We know that very few people use it, right? So they were able to get that, right? Is it purposeful? Well, it's not. It's unclear. Is it anti-racist, right? So they so they would have to do some uh, kind of disaggregation with the data that they have available or create new metrics to arrive at some of those things. But ultimately, what they did to remediate the problem was that they created a web page themselves, a Canvas site, not actually not a web page. It's a Canvas site for students. And this didn't exist when I was a student, but I know that I've left colleges for being lost. So it had actual pictures. If you are here, you're on the right track. And it would show another picture. If you are here, you are in the right place. If you see this particular structure, this is exactly where you need to be. Turn to your right. And that's the that's the cashier that you need to go to. That's so simple. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it makes such a huge difference. Oh, and I had yes. that type of thing before. I, I would have persisted in other places that I. it took me nine years to get to community college. And part of it is because I was always lost. <laughs> And so that work is doing just, it's not just talking about justice terms. 
they're actually doing the work. They identified an obstacle uh, to, to learning for uh, a traditionally marginalized group of students, and then they, they, they work to do something about it. But and the thing that's too, even the example that you just give is some people are like, well, that, that doesn't sound that hard. And it's like, right. <laughs> you think about it, like uh, someone's lost. I want to help them find where they need to go. Right. And so that is allowing them to get access to the services that they need in order to be more successful in the place that they want to go. And it's like, it's, it's simple, but it's, it's simple, but not easy. Right. 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 But I feel like it's beautifully simple because it's those types of things that we take for granted. Right. Like there's there's a we, we had a module on curb effect. Right. I don't know if you all familiar with the term curb effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was born out of uh, uh, Berkeley. Right. And so curb effect is that if you by 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 making it so that uh, curbs work for people who people with disabilities, people who are in wheelchairs primarily. Mm-hmm. Right. Or have ambulatory difficulty. What you've actually done is, is it's like rising tide lifts all boats. So people who have delivery jobs. Right. Who are pushing dollies actually benefit from that. Right. People. Right. So it was made for a specific or ramps, right? We talk about right. ramps into uh-huh. places, right? So that's curb effect. And so we had those types of conversations. I'll give you another one. Uh, another example of some, some of the work the students have done was around uh, parking, right? It's, this seemed like really mundane things, right? And so, so the, their college, the students who worked on this, their college was moving towards, because uh, uh, they wanted to streamline the process because there was always a long line to park. They were putting in new machines. And in these machines, you can only put a debit or credit card in there mm-hmm. to park. Right. If you needed to, if you if you didn't have a debit or credit card, then you need to get out of the car and go see go to the cashier's office, right? Which right. is an additional obstacle. But guess what? Not everybody has a debit or credit card. It's not everybody that has a debit or credit card has money available. Right. Who doesn't have money available? Poor students, right? Black mm-hmm. and brown students are disproportionately poor. Right. And so once they began to actually, so they actually made recommendations and now their college is rethinking that policy but it seemed it seemed like listen we're doing this for everybody it's about convenience but what we find to be the case when you when you use this kind of impact rubric is there are lots of institutionalized policies that penalize poor students simply for being poor mm. right and that's one another one another quick example is uh where students prior to covid right uh most colleges here in california not all but most colleges you have to get an SEP, a student educational plan, in order to be a student, right? Mm-hmm. In order to do that, you have to see a counselor. Uh, so the, for the first two weeks of a given semester, uh, it was first come, first serve. Anybody that wanted to see a counselor could come see a counselor. The average wait time, though, right, because there's the, the number of students per counselor is nuts. The average wait time was three to five hours. Wow. So then, Joe, if you have to, if you are totally reliant on your wages in order to live, and to eat, do you have three? Can you give up three to five hours? Probably no, not, right? No. And so that's what was happening over. So this policy, which seemed on its face, right, a neutral policy, and I would argue there is no neutrality, seemed a right. neutral policy, right, and cast a really wide net was actually penalizing students for being poor because the students that could stay there for three to five hours and wait to see a counselor were students who have a certain had a certain level of economic privilege, right? They yeah. weren't they weren't hand to mouth like many of our students were, and again, right. Uh, more poor, more more poor students are white, right? But black and brown students are dis- also disproportionately poor. So when we're looking at whether or not things are anti-racist, right? Uh, it turns out that that policy, even though you know people had the best intentions, was actually quite problematic. And so these are some of the things that students are looking at and making recommendations. And here's the thing, Joel: if you're a college president, which you may be at some point, right? Whatever the Lord wills, <laughs> if you're a college president. You can say, I made this particular, I have so many things to worry about, right? I made this decision, 
right? Because I was, I was, rec it was recommended that I made a decision. I didn't actually know the implications of this, right? So I can only hold you accountable to a certain degree because you have so many decisions you make. But if I go through this process and I tell you, right, President Abaddon, that if you do this, it's going to negatively impact uh, first generation Latina students and you do it anyway, guess what? The conversation we're going to have about accountability is appreciably different. And so that's part of the work, not to cause a problem, but just to remove a veil of ignorance. That yeah, so the removing the veil of and also too is like seems like you're flipping on a switch of empathy too. Like this thing that you think oh seems fair of first come first serve. You know that's how we do a lot of things. Yep. But then when you look at the ramifications of it, it's like nope. I'm gonna flip on this switch. There's some. This is real problematic if you look at it from a student's perspective versus right. like I'm just implementing some policy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how policy, that's how policy is always unfurled, right? Policy is uh, thought of as neutral, right? Ibram Kendi talked about this and how to be anti-racist. He said it's, it's easy to see kind of the malfeasance of people, but it's much difficult to see how, how, the, how problematic policy can be because policy is oftentimes hidden, but policy informs, right? Even though you have academic freedom as a professor, Joe, there are certain policies, there are certain ways that you can in, in, interact with your students based on the policies that, that already exist. And so we always need to be in a place where we question those types of things, right? And we're not causing trouble just to cause trouble, but there's no, new, there's no liminal space in this work. Every policy negatively impacts some people and positively impacts others. If we start with that presupposition, all right, then our work looks different when we review policies. So if, if a, you know, an institution has ideal fellows, then is it almost like that you are, I mean, because otherwise, what, are, are some institutions just thinking like, oh, our, our DEI person will help us have some sensitivity to these things right, versus... Right, right. No, no, no. Now I'm going to multiply that effort across yes, the yes. people that it actually impacts with the students in order to think like, hey, here are some areas that we're not even aware of that we could be making some headway on. Um, but or that we didn't, or, you know, <laughs> assuming the best out of people that we didn't assume that we're going to be impacting in such a harsh way. Right. Is right, that kind right. of the basis of it? Too? That's the goal. Right. So you have now these advocates. Right. You have these equity advocates in the work that we do. Uh, is always train the trainer. So we're trying to position these these students, these amazing, brilliant students, to work with other groups of students on their campus, right? Mm -hmm. So each, so I think right now we're working with maybe six colleges, and we have six students from each college, right? That's not enough. It's a start, but it's not right. enough. The goal is that and these students are doing it, right? They're going and they're creating opportunities to teach other students how to do this work because the tool is super straightforward, right? The tool is easy to use, yeah. uh, but but. The empathy, the part that you're talking about, right, the, the concern for people, the concern for humanity, right, I think that's one of the things that, that, that this program focuses on, right? I mean, I tell these students I love them, and I mean it, right? And then one more thing that is really, uh, and, and I wish that I could take credit for this, right? You know, I'll be honest, I pray for wisdom all the time, so <laughs> I can't take it. It's, it's, it's only from God. If I do anything good, it's from God. If I do something not so good, it's probably for me. That's how I can feel. And so, and so here's the thing. There's this pedagogical move uh, that all the students pointed to that was incredibly impactful for them. And I had no idea that it would land this way. And so, so during conversation, even if I'm you know, lecturing, if I, I invite in you know, amazing uh, guest speakers and if they come in and lecture, the chat is always live. Cause you have to remember, right? And Joel got to read the report. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just the, 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 the community developed there is incredible. And you have to take into account that this is entirely online, right? Mm -hmm. There's no physical, there's no, no, no actual, you know, we're never in the same space. 
Uh, and so, and so, one of the things that the students pointed to was that the chat is always live. But not only is the chat always live, but it's moderated. So they said, "Yeah, some of our classes, our online classes, because uh, this came out in the in, you know latter part of 2020, early part of 2021, when just about everybody was online. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we have threads, but people say all kind of crazy, racist, sexist stuff, and then nobody says anything about it, mm-hmm. and it kills the whole vibe. Yeah. And so we didn't have that. So even if I'm talking." Like I'm talking now, you're free to chat any type of questions or talk to your classmate. So it was as interactive, you know, as one could be on Zoom. And students, you know, overwhelmingly highlighted that as one of the things that was most impactful for them, that they had could have conversations with each other to better apprehend the material that was being covered and that it was moderated. Because if somebody said something that was, you know, untoward or offensive or derogatory, then I would address it, right? Or then, and then other pe- members from the community were emboldened to address it. But guess what? We addressed it with love, right? Yeah, not shaming people, right? Not no, 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 no. and not freezing people in time, but just saying, "Hey, you might not be aware, but the way you're saying that makes you know impact was impact versus um, uh, intent, right?" And right, so, right, right. Sort those things out with folks. Yeah, the there's a group, Allies for Change. Um, out of uh, Michigan State, I believe. And they do a lot of, uh, I I've did a lot of workshops with them that had awesome. those sorts of things. And, but yeah, having that sort of lovingly, I don't know, lovingly informed sometimes about yeah. some things with how people address and like, that's great to have that moderating. So then, yeah, you do, you've built up this beautiful like conversation. All of a sudden someone could take something like, oh, oh, this is not a safe space. Boom, it just goes yeah. away. And that's not what you want to have, but there you go. Yeah, that's good. Right. So I saw I saw I'm not I'm not as uh, kind of uh, knowledgeable with regard to pop culture as I used to be when I was a little bit younger. But I saw uh, the music awards, the big music awards last night. It was talking about how Diddy, uh, who calls himself Brother Love now, was uncanceling Morgan Wallen. Right. Morgan Wallen was a country Mm -hmm. music star who got in trouble for uh, saying the N word. And so uh, and so and so while I'm not a proponent of, of people being canceled, because I believe wholeheartedly in the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Right. If I could be saved, anybody could be saved. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Paul, you know, Lois, <laughs> I was a uh, chief among the, uh, the sinners. Right. But, but God saved me. And so so here, here's the thing. Just simply uncanceling someone is not the right approach, in my opinion. Right. Because there's no redemptive. There's no redemption there. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why we have to have a relationship with Jesus. Right. That's right. why we have to grow. Right. If he just did it, and that was it. Right. That's why I'm not so convinced you can just say the sinner's prayer and you say, I'm not, I'm not convinced. I'm not arguing with anybody. I'm not trying to get a theological debate, but I think that there has to be a relationship. Right. right. And so I think that we were able to work to build a beloved community. Right. In the way that Martin Luther King talked to Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King spoke about it. We're able to build a beloved community so that so that the the, the work that we did to in a kind of restorative justice mode. Right. To help mm-hmm. people understand the harm that they caused and atone for that harm was always predicated on love. I wasn't I wouldn't just say, hey, you know what? I know you didn't mean that. It's OK. We're going to have a conversation about how it was received. Right. And then how you could not fall into those same types of traps again. And you don't have to change who you are. Right. Uh, But you have to understand that if you're going to do this type of work. Right. There's a certain level of decorum uh, uh, and empathy and even love that's necessary because equity work is always hard work. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Joe's smart. But if you don't have love. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You're a clanging symbol. If you don't have love, it's nothing. Yeah. Just yeah. To say like. And I think you're, you're hammering out like a lot of these different themes have in there. 
you know, with empathy or with all these sorts of actions, or even talking about Diddy or Brother Love and Morgan. Yeah, Warren, I think it's know. Brother Love there. Yeah. yeah. And it's thinking like the, the, how the heart of the relationship is there. Like, the, again, the policy without relationship and not knowing how it's going to impact those that you're working with, like, then you're, you're blindly doing some things versus like actually having some, some informed, right. um, some informed action, right? And it can also, actually, it could be more harmful, right? Because now it could be perceived that you're condoning certain behaviors that are problematic, mm. right? Like if I just, if my kids, if they can do anything that they want to do anytime, they, you know, they're sweet kids. They love Jesus. They love us, right? But they're, they're kids. They do stuff that they're not supposed to do, right? right? I'm like, you know what? I know your heart, buddy. Go ahead. You know what I'm saying? So I got, you know, I have family that'll say that. Like, oh, I'm still running the streets, right? But we all grew up in church. And so they'll be like, you know, but God knows my heart. I mean, yeah, the heart is wicked above all else, buddy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what he knows. He's the knower of man's heart. He knows exactly how wicked it is, right? So, but even that notwithstanding, right? It's not just, I know your heart. Go ahead and do this thing. No, I have to help them not continue to do that thing. Right, yeah. because it's damaging for them and potentially damaging for people around them. And so that's that's what actual accountability looks like. And there is, I would argue, there is no real love without real accountability. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, and speaking of, so, you know, maybe this is a, a rough transition, but you did have some folks looking at what you were doing through the yeah. ideal fellows, which was kind of which cool and you shared that with me. And I don't know if, if we can share that with folks. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, awesome. It's public knowledge, but, yeah. But yeah, so like, I mean, so you had people say, cause you know, some people might be like, wow, this sounds great. But you know, I, I know what you get sometimes probably like, Oh, yeah. this sounds a little touchy feely there, Jeremiah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but actually to see like what kind of actions and, and you gave some legitimate stuff, like, Hey, here's some things that actually happened, but also too, you had someone take a look at it as an external observer. So can yeah. you just briefly share some of the things that was found? Yeah. So, you know, you know, Joe, as, a, as an educator, right, it's, it's sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want people in my classroom space. And, oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we can get kind of territorial about that, even if we think right. we're doing a good job, you know, because it's just hard to be critiqued. Yeah, yeah. And so I had all that stuff going on, you know, and I didn't know how it was going to turn out because, you know, I'm a researcher, too. Right. So I'm like, well, right. I don't know if the questions are. But, you know, my wife, who is a rock, she did me. Hey, look, we're, we're trying to live out what the Lord called us to do in this. And so we just got to let it go. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever happens, happens. We got and if there's there's a critique there, then we need to figure out how to go before the Lord and be better, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, all right. I knew it was a reason I married her. And so uh and so anyhow, uh uh it actually turned out it was really, really positive. Like it was like I gotta say, so my wildest equity dreams, whatever that means, are being fulfilled in this program because people are coming out. So my my goal is for people to feel whole, mm. right? And they'll learn some stuff. They'll learn some concepts, right? And they'll actually be able to put these concepts into practice. And Joe, I know you know this well, right? This is, 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 is incredibly important with regard to STEM education, right? And that's mm -hmm. where people run into problems. If students can't apply their knowledge, then it's rote memorization, right? right. And you take a look at like design-based research, right? It becomes inert knowledge. It's not actually helpful. The right. students can't even replicate it outside of that context. That's incredibly problematic, right? Yeah. That means that they didn't actually learn it. That means that they can memorize it. So, so it's important to me that student to see the students can take this kind of conceptual information and then actually apply it. And so that's happening, but that's not enough for me as an educator, right? Uh, I need to see that people are coming into this, uh, however they come into this, and at the end, they feel loved. And that to me, uh, is is the mark of a program that is uh, uh, kind of in the spirit of what I feel I've been called to do. And that's been happening. I mean, I've been there's so many comments that I have from other iterations with students. I mean, I had a student who their life had been just 
characterized by abuse, violent abuse by so-called Christians who were close to them. Mm. And Rachel and I, we love Jesus a lot, right? Whether or not yeah. I consider myself a Christian, that's different, right? The word term Christianity could be any, anyhow, that notwithstanding, right. right? I love my brothers and sisters. Don't don't I don't want anybody to think otherwise. But but the thing is, is is that we're not shy about who we are, right? Because this program is a, is is you know essentially is, is, we're working with partners, but it's our program, right? And right. so and we're not trying to foist our beliefs on anybody either, mm-hmm. right? But if people ask me my story, then I talk. I have to talk about you know my interaction with my Lord and Savior because that's what informs my story. So we've had some of those types of conversations. Like one student set me up. He's just like, "Hey, man, what makes you tick?" You know, okay, well, you know, so we had that conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so and so and so anyway. I'm saying all this to say this particular student's life at 22 years old, I mean, had lived so much life that people who are 50 hadn't lived. And I'm talking about Mm. trauma-filled experiences. This particular student said that this virtual space was the safest educational space they had ever been in. Wow, just say virtual space. Like virtual space. What you look at virtual space. Awesome. And I cried right in front of everybody. I cried because that was that's ultimately what I care about. People can learn just to see stuff from YouTube videos, right? Yeah. Like I, I know some stuff. God has blessed me, you know, with the ability to, to, to help people understand some conceptual information. And I thank him for that. That's not the big deal for me. The big deal is whether or not people can come in here and say, I felt safe to be exactly who I am mm-hmm. and contribute positively to work that has the potential to change society for the better. And so that, that in a nutshell is the kind of commentary that has come out. Um, I'll tell y'all another piece. This is not just in this report, uh, but it's, I don't even actually think it's, but somebody else did a report earlier. Uh, and one of the things that students really like to talk about was this concept of racialized capitalism. It was really, really uh, incredible too. Like that was probably the favorite topic for folks because we talked about how race, you know, is an analytic tool, mm-hmm. right? But it's not a, a holistic analytic tool because you can explain, right? Race is explanatory in many, many kind of uh, uh, milieus, but it's not wholly explanatory until you couple it with capitalism and how capitalism functions, right? So, yeah. so that's why, you know, when I have conversations with my um, brothers and sisters who have been racialized as white in this country, people considered to be white people or European Americans, right? But more accurately, they're people who have been racialized as white because, you know, I let the cat out of the bag. There's no such thing as, as, as white people. <laughs> yeah. uh, what 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 their lives right have been difficult poor white people's lives are not appreciably better than poor any other group fill in the blank right Right. but their lives are not difficult because of race their lives are difficult because of of, because of capitalism right because Mm -hmm. capitalism produces poverty right poverty poverty is a comorbidity that produces all types of other social ills right Mm -hmm. and so just to be able to have that conversation because we have students who are Low-income white students are like, man, I'm tired of hearing about this stuff. And then, but now they have a way, a way in the conversation, right? And right. so we, so that has been a really, really eye-opening conversation for a lot of folks too. Just thinking about the program, um, and can you talk about inequity uh, from a place of love? Well, then that's, you know, that 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 then is a way to actually win souls, right? And to win mm-hmm. people to contribute to this work because nobody's nobody's ostracizing this work. I'm like, listen, man, I understand that your life has been hard. It's just as hard as anybody else's. But I need to be clear with you, right? With my particular, with my uh, uh, students who have been racialized as white, it's not because of race. It's because of poverty, which is produced from capitalism. So let's have a conversation and let's, let's reverse engineer this. Let's figure out how this works the same for different people. 
And so, you know, it's just, I think more than anything is that approach. And then again, and I'll stop talking in a second. It's not just about this kind of conceptual information, right? This theoretical information because they have an outlet, right? Mm. You get, they get to go then and think about these things and actually put them, put these things to work uh, on issues that are important to them. We don't tell them there's no parameters with regard to the type of uh, issue they want to take up. They take up anything, right? We have folks take up lack of policy for veteran students, right? Lack of policy for domestic uh, violence survivors. Uh, the criterion to be part of an honor society at a community college, they felt like that was racist, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Student grievance process, they felt like it was inequitable because, you know, if you've been a microaggressed, it takes you at least 15 minutes to find the form, right? You may forget about it by then, right? So there's mm -hmm. all these different things that they're looking at uh, because they because it's germane to their lived experiences. I know I was all over the place, but I mean, that that has just, you know, the the, the findings from that report uh, ultimately affirmed a lot of that stuff. And it's just, it's, I'm telling you folks, it's just God. That's all, it's just God. I've been trying to do this my whole life and I had never fully surrendered before. Um, and I don't know that I have now, but I'm trying my very best to fully surrender and the outcomes have been so different. Well, I mean, I just, I love the, you know, the thing about the program I love is like, you know, we're not, even though we have, we have six students, but it's not like we're, we're tapping into the six students that those students are, can tap into that, you know, that we're giving them the tools and skills necessary to go out and, and, and have these same conversations with them. We're loving on them so that they can love on others. I mean, yes, yes. you know, it, you I, know I had a, I had a podcast recently where um, we talked about uh, the book of uh, Mark and we talked about Jesus feeding 5,000. Yeah. And I loved it from a teaching perspective because it wasn't really Jesus. I mean, Jesus right. could have just snapped his finger, gave everyone a snack right, right, right. But instead, what does he say? Like, hey, go see what everybody has. Yeah. Ooh, let's everyone participate. Let me, right. like, And then also, too, let's those the disciples having conversations with folks. Hey, I know that you think that this loaf of bread is just going to feed you. Give it to me. Yeah. And, and just watch what can happen. Yeah. And then again, allowing everyone to participate. So it's not just Jesus feed. It was everybody participating in that. And that's right. the kind of the beautiful thing I think with what's going on with the ideal fellows is like, yep. it's getting everyone to be able to participate. And now, you know, leaders lead, and, and from the leader's perspective, if they lean in on this and a program like this and they see, yeah. wow, I can, I can tap into who my students are and really making sure that what we're doing is meeting needs and not causing needs right right, right. Yeah. and that's what real discipleship is that's what jesus was doing right so so just to to to, to clarify for y'all so we have five colleges with six students each so each cohort is around 30 32 students okay. um, and so and so see that's the thing right this this what happens over time right i'm someone who uh was on the other side of the kind of educational spectrum right joe's in the hard hard sciences i was on on a, uh, on a linguistic side, a humanity side. So I studied language, right? Mm -hmm. And language meanings change over time, right? Denotations is supposed to be fairly static, but connotations, connotations can shift over time, right? And so, and so, and so like this whole idea of, uh, of, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. There was a word that you just said that I wanted to key in on. Um, it'll come back to me. Don't, don't worry. But anyway, I want to go back to this real quick about the, uh, ab about the program and, and the students and the work that they were doing. So yeah. in doing, in doing this, in doing this work, they change, right? So a lot of students, I, I, so this is funny, right? 
I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. It's pretty funny. So I live in Northern California where I live is, is fairly conservative, right? There's some shifts afoot, cultural shifts. Some of the good old boys are moving out because it's becoming a little bit too diverse for them. Because, uh, you know, it's being gentrified in that part of Northern California. But yeah. I have a, I'm somebody who likes to shoot guns, right? I know my folks in, in, in Mississippi and other places will recognize that. I don't hunt yet. I'm trying to work up the nerve and see if I can actually deal with blood. But you know, <laughs> pray for me on that. I, yeah, yeah, I, I, so anyway, so I have a I have a concealed carry permit, right? I have a CCW. And so in order to do that, you have to have a class, right? You have to take a class. And so it was really, really funny, right? Because it was like almost like a bad sitcom. All these folks <laughs> with overalls, right? Like I'm talking about, they would they look like, right? I'm not calling this, but they look like what you would associate a hillbilly with. And yeah. all they really wanted to know was what ju- what justification they needed in order to shoot their neighbor. Right. And so and so the guy who's just awesome, right? Awesome instructor, he's like, listen. Before you raise your hand, let me tell you something. You cannot shoot your neighbor, right? And so these are the kind of these are the kind of conversations that we that that, that just kept coming up, right? And so I, I say this to say, in ideal in this particular cohort, for whatever reason, one that just uh, ended a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a bunch of uh, white students who just wanted to be able to explain to their relatives why they were being racist. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that was the question. Yeah. That just, so how do I talk to my brother? How do I talk to my uncle? How do I talk to my dad? How come my mom doesn't get it? And so a lot of the conversations, because we had office hours outside of lecture time, like, dear mom, what would you do, right? And so my whole, I'm just trying to figure out how to love people, right? So my, 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 because they wanted me to give them some stuff so that they can go set their relatives straight, right? And I'm like, no, no, that's not how it works. Go love them, right? And they will see from your love Right. Because what they think is what we've been led to believe. If you lean to the right then you're scared of the left, you lean to the left, you're scared of the right. And you think that they hate you. And then we think that they hate us. Right. I said, no, just go love them. Right. And they'll see that even though your belief system is different than yours. Right. You still love them. That's more transformative than anything you can say, because you're not just going to go in there with some magic words and change anybody's mind. Right. And so that was. That was kind of uh, one of the things that was really uh, different about this particular cohort, uh, but it was really it was really fun. And so what we saw, I know I was talking about that, what we saw at the end of that was a lot of people shifted. I mean, there was so many people that were like, look, I came in here because I wanted to set so-and-so straight. And I realized through this that they just need more love. Well, that's a win for me, Joe. Oh, any, yeah, any yeah. Week, that's a win. Yeah, I mean, just like, I mean, you know, like just to get a bunch of people pointing fingers at each other, you know, um, that's not going to help anything versus like, yeah, let's, let's figure out how to love each other, learn their perspective. And then they'll learn your perspective and and can get better, get better together. together. That's the thing. So going back to my time at CSM, like when I got there, you know, I think I mentioned this before. I just want everybody to just listen. Do the work because they brought me there on basically a mandate, right? Because in the state of California at that time, 2016, uh, the state chancellor's office uh, earmarked money to do equity work. I was like the, one of the first times, like this is we're going to do institutionalized, systematized equity work. So you can hire a dean of equity, you can hire a director of equity, and you have what was at that time called equity funds, right? You know, $600,000 uh, to do this type of work. And so I came in and I'm like, okay, everybody's ready to go. I'm fresh out of graduate school. I'm ready to go. You know, I've been reading nothing but Fanon. I'm ready to burn everything down. And so I'm like, okay, well let's, you know, Marx and Fanon, because I'm from Berkeley, right? So I'm just reading all that stuff. And I'm like, all right, ready, let's go. Everybody get in line. Okay, you don't know how to do this? Get out of here, I don't have time for you. You don't know how to do this? Get out of here, I don't have time for you. And so that's what was happening. I was burning people out left and right. Yeah, yeah. 
And, uh, and that didn't work. And that's what I realized. And it took me, you know, somebody who is supposedly, supposedly uh, knows a little bit about equity and justice. It took me every bit of four years to realize that the people that I was interacting with were too wounded to move forward. Uh, even though they wanted to do the work, they needed to be loved first and assured that even if they messed up, there would still be love and concern for them before they could before they could work together in solidarity with me and with the, with each other, and that was a revelation from God. I, I wouldn't have figured that out by myself. Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, and you know, it's I guess too. You know, hearing someone like you and the way you're talking about this work, and then then just to be honest and and transparent like that, saying, "Hey, four years, man, <laughs> it took four years to get this thing straight." That's 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 pretty good. Um, and also too, just say like this is a constant process of learning. You know, I, I just I can imagine what you've been learning just with these different cohorts of folks coming through the fellows program, uh, just all the different interactions and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's so fun because you got to understand, Joe, we have like 17 year olds and we have 50 year olds because it's community <laughs> college. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So part of the work. Right. You know, this working part of the work is helping folks like, OK, I can't have this 50 year old guy barking things at these 17 year olds. You see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so I have to be able to negotiate all that, but I can't. I don't want him to feel. That's like right. I'm almost a 50 year old. I don't want him to feel, you know, some type of way because he, right. he he's the oldest person in this space. So it's it's a negotiation, man. That's it's right. really uh it's, it's it's a lot, but it's awesome. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So you have a uh and, and again, I, I'm thankful for your time. It's uh I know you got a get a big trip coming up, so I yeah. know you got that going. But uh you also have a big event coming up too. And so I don't know if you could share what uh Rooted in Love is doing with this uh, this uh, conference or Summer Learning Institute you got going okay, on thank you in June. Yes. So June 29th and 30th, there's a virtual conference. It's called the Summer Learning Institute. This is going to be our third iteration. The first time we did it in 2020 is because I had a new book coming out. It was called Minding the Obligation Gap. And Joel has linked those things before. And so yep. that book was for community college practitioners, anybody in higher education. The principles apply uh, to K-12 as well. Um, the educational principles. But I was like, man, nobody wants to read this book in light of everything that's going on. I mean, it's just too much going on, you know, yes. but you know, I'm, I'm a critical race, uh, you know, scholar. Uh, and so I was trying to figure out, you know, especially critical race theory and how it informs educational outcomes. So I was trying to take a look at those things and have a conversation about it. And I mean, the book was coming out anyway, right? It's like when you're having a baby, it doesn't matter if the baby is, you know, if, if it's convenient for you, when it's time to come out, it's coming out, right? So the book was coming out because it was beyond me, the publisher was gonna produce it. And so I was like, okay. Well, if the book is coming out, let's have a conversation about it. So we had a five-part conversation. So the book is nine chapters, uh, Mining the Obligation Gap. So I think I wrote five of those chapters, right? I wrote the introduction and then the conclusion and some chapters in the middle. And then I invited some of my friends to contribute chapters, right? So there, there, there are three more authors who contributed chapters. And so everybody talked about their work in a five-part series. And it was, it, man, 500 people attended. It was free. 500 nice. people attended. And it was, it was incredible. We had, like, really, really awesome conversations uh, and so that was 2020, 20, I guess 2020. Uh, then the next time we did it again, last last summer, uh, we had a conversation. We invited all these different people to talk about pedagogy and programming, like we talked about dual enrollment and how to equitize that. Uh, we, we had some other conversations around equity, right, the difference between equity and equality, um, about how to build a multicultural dream center, the importance of ethnic studies, because that was being voted on in California. So this year, we're going to have two book talks. So I have another book that's coming out, um, should be coming out in the next couple months. It's called uh, The White Educator's Guide to Equity 
Teaching for Justice in Community Colleges on Peter Lang. And so co-wrote that with my buddy Jeremy. So we're going to present on that. Uh, and then there's another book that I'm the editor for uh, that I have to write. You know, I'll write an introduction or something like that. I have to do that at some point soon. Uh, maybe in Hawaii. <laughs> in Maui. Uh, and so that book is called Until They're All Free. And it is uh, uh, revolutionary praxis with system impacted students. Right. So it's talking about students who are foster care system incarcerated. Right. And so. And so there's a bunch of folks uh, who 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 worked in that space, did dissertation work in that space, and they're going to work through their dissertation work to to produce chapters, and it's going to be a really powerful book. So we're going to have two book talks um, on different days. So on the 29th, there'll be a conversation about the White Educators Guide to Equity. On the 30th, there'll be a uh, conversation around until they're all free. We're also going to have uh, one of my mentors, close friends, amazing scholar Lasana Hotep is going to talk about equity. Um, he's going to frame that conversation. I'll have I'll have a conversation around radical inclusivity and how different it is from what we've traditionally kind of thought of as inclusivity and how radical love is necessary. And we'll talk about ideal. But the second day, uh, the second day, we're going to actually go through an impact training. Right. So Ooh, like we talked nice. about ideal is a, and so we're going to show folks how to use this tool to vet their policies, procedures, practices and pedagogies to ensure that they're commensurate with justice. And so and so it's really inexpensive. Um, I had to pay people to design a website and I like to pay the people who are speaking. So there is a charge. I think the charge is ninety nine dollars for early registration yep. um, and one twenty nine later. But there's a 15 percent. I'm working on I'm making sure this is possible. My goal is to provide a 15 percent discount for everyone that uh for all of joel's listeners so for folks that want to listen uh, i'll give you i'll pass the information to joel so he, give, he can provide the email address so that you can jump on have a 15 percent discount there and participate with us so this is one price for both days i encourage folks stick around because one of the things that we've done is we after the session we have a community debrief right so everybody can just have a conversation and we're trying to actually apprehend the material that we've covered. So it's open for everyone. And so anyway, I encourage y'all to participate. It should be a lot of fun. There will be a lot of love. You'll actually hear from ideal students. Um, nice. They'll talk about their work and then we'll go through what it, how you can actually get to work using the impact equity evaluation toolkit. Yeah. And it just a reminder, and you know, those of you that listened before, like that's what we talked about the last time, the impact framework. And then that was it. The fr that same framework is what uh, myself and EJ Edney talked about when we had our conversation way back in, I think, October. So yeah. that's, that's powerful stuff there. That's good. Yeah. So it should be fun. 29th and 30th of June. Go ahead and register. If I can't make the code work, I will make sure you get your 15%. I may just have to reimburse you because the guy who is who is our web designer is the same reason we're going to Maui. He's getting married. So he may have time to do it, but he's getting married uh, in like three days. And so I'm not, I'm not sure yeah. he's going to do it that time. But no. ultimately, we will make sure you get the discount. Okay. Nice. Well, um, I appreciate your time. And again, I know you got a lot of things going and for anything sure. else. And I, we're going to put links to everything in the show notes. We'll put the flyer for the, uh, the summer learning Institute. Awesome. Um, and so, and then also if we, uh, if we get that discount, whatever, but I mean, also too, that's a pretty reasonable cost for, uh, yeah. for people to register between now and, uh, well, it's just because I, I like you, Joe, and I like the, I like <laughs> the folks to pay attention. So I wanted to make sure to do that. So I, all I have to say is God bless you all. Uh, I appreciate each and every one of you, even though I may not know you, the work that you do is is hard work always. And so I just pray that you take care of yourself 
so that you are not uh, trying to pour from an empty cup. Um, I'm encouraged by the work that you educators do and the folks who are listening just to have a better understanding of what of, of the way that education can look like, what education can look like in this country. Uh, so, you know, with that, uh, that's it, man. I just, I'm really happy, Joel, to, to, to spend time with you again. It's always an encouragement. And uh, God bless you, bro, and the yeah. family. Oh, thank you, Jeremiah. There we go. There it is. Conversation with Jeremiah. Uh, the time goes by quickly when I'm having those conversations because it's just, it's kind of flowing back and forth. And and I don't know, I, I, I remember when I was a kid, I loved listening to conversations between my dad and uh, I think the editor of the local paper, the Banner Journal in Black Earth Falls, Wisconsin, Craig Booker. And so just listening to sometimes excited conversations back and forth between them. They talk about politics. They talk about policies. They talk about things that are happening around town and everything and whatever. It just, it was like two people. They obviously cared about each other having really great conversation. And I just, I just sat on the porch and would listen. And I think that's really what a podcast is, is like where, and, and hopefully that's what if people, the people that do like listening to this podcast, they they get out of it is like, Hopefully it's a good conversation that you get to kind of just sit and, and listen to. And then sometimes people participate by, you know, letting me know, hey, I heard this and this is what was exciting about that car. And then I had another conversation based off of it and blah, blah, blah. So I love doing this and, and just thankful for the opportunity that people get into listening to it. And also thankful for people like Jeremiah for being willing to come on and just have a conversation. So, all right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you, again, looking for all those uh, links, you go to the show notes, amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 73. And if you are looking for ways to support the podcast, you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you find your podcast. You can subscribe to the Amazon Planet download at amazonplanet.com. There's lots of places to join the email list. Again, we're only doing things that we think are helpful to you on that email list. So not going to be filling up your inbox, that's for sure. You can also follow at Amadon Planet at Amadon Planet on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or like the Amadon Planet Facebook page. You can also check out the Amadon Planet store, Amadon Planet Bookshop. Links for the those are in the footer at AmadonPlanet.com. Finally, thank you to all of you for listening to the Amadon Planet podcast. Thanks to Jeremiah Sims for sharing his time and expertise. Thanks to Matt Mifflin for the music in this episode. And finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you've been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace. Peace.